Welcome to Sales Hiring Straight Talk, where sales leaders go for advice, tips, and resources to hire high-performing sales talent. If you find the hiring process challenging or have been disappointed when a hire couldn't sell, you're not alone. Make your sales hiring interviews rock with Sales Hiring Straight Talk. Here are your co-hosts, Jennifer Leak and Suzanne Paling. Ever wonder what's changed in the world of background and reference checks? With technology and the increase in the number of tech-savvy individuals, it turns out there's a lot. John Bodette, Vice President of Operations and Compliance at Employment Screening Services, joins us to discuss today's modern background and reference checks. In this podcast, John talks about the difference between a background and a reference check, continuous criminal monitoring, and the troubling increase in false references and documents. John, you and I go back a long way, and I'm so glad to get to spend some time with you today, my friend. Oh, no problem. My pleasure. So how did you get into the business, and how long have you been doing this? Well, I kind of fell into it. I'm an English teacher as far as having gone to college to do that. I didn't intend to get out of that profession so soon, but answered to add in the paper for a tenant screening company, which quickly converted into employment screening. Been doing that ever since. 30 years later, there's there's thousands, literally, that uh, do employment screening. And you're also a private investigator. How does this help you? Well, we were informed that because of what we do on a nationwide basis, some states felt that we fit the definition of a uh, private investigator because we were calling into those states and asking questions. We have vendors who will go into courthouses for us. They felt we should be private investigators. And so many states actually have that requirement. Not all of them can Force it. So we are, or I am rather, licensed in four states that are pretty serious about you know you being a private investigator before you're doing any type of inquiries on people, even if it's just calling in and taking a reference on somebody in, a, in that state. John, you have a, a saying at your organization, at your company, that it's quality over quantity. How's that set you apart? It's such a people person industry in that we're dealing with people's lives their livelihoods and their ability to get jobs. We take that seriously. We're federally regulated uh, by the Fair Credit Reporting Act. There are many companies out there who treat it more as a business and getting through volumes and volumes of screenings, but it's never been our way of doing things. We always have customer service easily available to both our clients and consumers alike. As you know, John, many employers don't do reference and background checks as part of the hiring process. Why do you think potential employers don't do these? There is a cost. Basically, it may come down to that they haven't been burned yet by an employee who they could have known something that they should have. So sometimes it takes that negative experience for them to come out and say, okay, it's worth it for me to do a background check. I lost so much money on this one bad employee that I don't want to have that experience repeated. What do you gain when you do them versus skipping them? Well, you have a really a peace of mind that you are protecting your employees, protecting your company, uh, loss prevention, cost of replacing a person who was a bad hire. It's just an overall tool to help you find the right person for the right job, protect yourself against negligent hiring. So there's just a a whole bunch of reasons why it makes sense to do some form of background check before you put someone as your face of the company out there. Why do you think employers don't do these themselves? Well, it does take a lot of resources. You have to pay somebody to call references, to call employers, to call schools, and then you have to know how to contact various courts, maybe working with uh, law enforcement. 
there is a vast array of things that you kind of have to know about before you start making inquiries. So we got companies like ours out there who do this day in and day out, and the efficiency and the cost effectiveness is generally makes sense to employers to, to have someone help them with that. It's pretty labor intensive if reference checking and employment uh, verifications are part of your background check, which they probably should be. There's companies that are closed, companies that merged on top of just people who may not be returning your calls and emails. There's just a lot of obstacles that could be in the way to conducting a, a really solid background check. And so uh, many employers just find it easier just to, just to have a, a professional company do that. And then they know that it's being, the laws are being followed as well. Yeah, that's a really good point. And, you know, John, we often lump background and reference checks together. What's the difference between background checks and reference checks? Well, the background check is just a basic term, which pretty much means any information compiled on an individual when you're considering determining their eligibility for employment. It's basically anything under that umbrella and reference check, calling somebody's references is one of those tools that are uh, criminal history checks, if they're drivers, maybe driving record checks, credit checks, uh, verifying employment, professional license checks. There's really a long list depending on your industry of what you could or should be checking when it comes to a background check. When we talk about background checks, what should the employer focus on? Well, it does depend on their particular company and industry as far as where the highest level of risk is located. If you have people dealing with the public, with property, with uh, confidential information, and it's not always a supervised position, then you're going to generate a pretty high-level background check, comprehensive in the criminal side as well as others, um, as opposed to an employer saying, okay, I want to do back background checks, but I just can't do them on every single person because I have a fairly high turnover. So my risk in this person doing something that could hurt me because they don't have the opportunity, they're maybe supervised a lot, you know, maybe they don't need to get that squeaky clean person verified in, in a position like that. So they have to determine their risk level uh, in doing these. That's a good point. One of the subgroups you just mentioned, um, John, was criminal history check. What is a criminal history check? Good question, because it seems like the answer should be easy. What crimes has this person committed? Well, the hard part about it is that there is no single source available to determine that. You can do a local county search of a superior court and find that okay, this person has no criminal records here. A statewide search might be available uh, as well, but a comprehensive search would be looking at every single jurisdiction this person has lived, worked, or gone to school in in the last at least seven years and checking on a federal, state, and county level. There are different gradations that a person has to think about when they're talking about a criminal check. What else should we know about criminal history checks? Before you ever run a criminal history check, you should probably have a good policy on what you're going to do when you get information back that potentially could lead you to a decision not to hire someone. The EEOC is heavily involved in telling employers that you have to consider the age of the conviction, the seriousness of it, and the job relatedness of it. Because to just have a bright line policy of automatically disqualifying people because they have a certain type of record is very likely going to result in a a disparate uh, treatment uh, situation. 
So it really has to be done correctly and at the right time. Many states have second chance laws that tell employers you can't even inquire into this until you've given given that individual a conditional job offer. So there's quite a few things to think about before you even start into uh, criminal background checks. You had said that you're putting people in, in positions that could have a great impact, both on the company's success and maybe the people they're working with. So that probably is another reason, right, to, to be doing these? Right. Absolutely. With the internet and the availability of information, you know that a new hire is going to be Googled by employees. And you don't want surprises coming up where uh, the whole company knows that this person has this background uh, when you should have known that first. The safety of the company, the whole culture of, of the organization, productivity and retention and safety, just the whole environment is helped along by doing a good uh, background check, especially criminal check. I think that's such wise advice, John. There was a, a lady here in our town. She had embezzled money from a small business and then she went off and got hired by somebody else and guess what? Embezzled from the next business. Yeah, You had said sometimes people have to have a big enough problem to pay the money to fix it. There's a phrase you talk about predictions of behaviors. There really isn't any crystal ball as finding out if your new candidate, new employee is going to uh, help you uh, in your success or maybe be part of a failure. But there's a saying out there that I came across very early in the business is that the best predictor of future behavior is past behavior and assessments and and everything that are geared towards trying to determine if an individual is going to be a great employee for you or maybe someone that you would not want to hire. The best way of doing that is to look at what they've already done. And that's what a background check is designed to do, to look at what they've already done. And the criminal uh, history is a big part of that process. That's really interesting. John, we talked about background checks. Now let's move over to reference checks. They are very different today than they were in the past. In what ways are they different? And can you talk a little bit about that? Well, in the past, reference checks were pretty much the background check in those days because you could simply get on the phone, call the last employer, tell me about Joe here. Uh, Did he do a good job for you? Were there any problems? And there are just so many legal risks now of doing them that it's not a mainstay of a lot of background checks, yet there still is a risk to not doing them because you don't know what you may miss in doing a reference check. So even though the the legal risks are there, some people say you're darned if you do because you could be sued or defamation, or you're darned if you don't because you might miss something valuable. So I think they still should be done in most cases. But one has to know the risks involved and maybe the don'ts as well. You know, when we were talking prior to today, John, you mentioned the subject of false references. And I'd really never heard much about that before. So maybe our audience hasn't either. What are false references? They're references that are not authentic, I guess, is a good way to say it. Or we will call them set up references. Are you being set up? If a person knows that they're going to need professional references, some work-related people that will speak to their fitness for the position, they will list those hand-selected references and put down people who may not be supervisors, maybe a co-worker, maybe just a friend who's been really well-coached on how to answer questions. And, you know, sometimes when things are done these days by email or uh, other 
their communication portals. The individual may develop their own email address that indicating it may be a different person. And so those are things that are pretty common out there and that you have to watch for when you're doing reference checks because they're things that people can prepare for and possibly set you up to be talking to someone who is not really a reference. You mentioned that they sometimes even try to pass themselves off as a reference. Right. Particularly if we're dealing with email addresses that they will develop one that is for a different person. They may pass themselves off as that person over the phone. Generally, they know that for efficiency's sake, emails are often used or some other assessment tool that's done through a communication portal website. So they will try to step right in there and be that reference for themselves if they can find a way to do it. What are some tips maybe that an employer should be on the lookout for to protect themselves from false references? Well, we always take a look at where the number goes to. The number we're given should be a business number. The email address we're sending to should be a business email address. If we're called back, we'll see what number it's calling us. And if it looks like a personal number, and often they are, they're catching people at home or on their cell phone. We will ask for a business number, make sure we know where they're currently working. Uh, Not that we can afford to follow up on those all the time, but whenever there's anything that sounds a little bit off in a reference check, those are things that we can use to look a little further to see if there's anything that indicates that this reference isn't really who they say they are. There's one last piece of thing I wanted to ask you about on false references, and you mentioned one time about fake W-2 forms. Yes, it's It's amazing the extent to which some people will go to falsify forms, fake W-2s, fake pay stubs, fake degrees, and fake references. So, you know, the technical savvy people out there who know about how to make good-looking documents can do that type of thing very easily. Those are things we're, we're on the lookout for. In general, it's a general rule to not accept any documentation directly from the applicant without having it be verified through another party. Oh, that's really interesting. Is there anything else on the topic of background checks, John, that you think people would be interested in? There are things like salary history bans that may especially be pertinent to uh, hiring and sales, where a person's ability is often connected to how, how much money they made. And there are a lot of jurisdictions that pass laws, salary history bans, where you cannot ask a person either what they currently make or what they've made in the past. You can only ask what their salary expectation is. And the reason for that is knowing a salary history often starts the employer off at a place where that's where they're going to be offered compensation from. And with the pay gap between men and women, that has kind of sustained that over the years, even though it's gotten somewhat better People have finally figured out that they shouldn't be asking what you've made because if you haven't been making as much as you're a person, a man in a similar position, then you're going to start at a lower place likely with many employers. John, you've talked about a lot of things. You've been doing this for 30 years. What's the most surprising or interesting thing that you've found out? Well, yeah, there's been many, many things. People can be funny about what they'll say and and to the lengths they'll go. One situation comes to mind where one of our 
our clients as a, a distributor, one of the things they distribute is large shoe shipments, you know, shoe manufacturing that go out to all these distribution points, yet they can't be sold until a certain launch date. So they're held within that distribution plant. And one employee was bragging on Facebook, showing pictures. They had the newest, you know, XYZ shoe, not realizing that anybody could see that and find out that they shouldn't have that yet. And then the employer called us and said, no, this guy came back clear on his background check. We found out that he has a history uh, from where he used to live. And in looking at the background check, that employer only wanted to search one location. So he had a history in a different location. And so that kind of speaks to the risk that he imposed, which should have called for a more comprehensive criminal history search. Uh, John, that just shows the reach of Facebook. Is there anything new in the field that you think people would be interested in learning about? Well, there is a new uh, service out there that some employers are looking into, and that is continuous monitoring of criminal activity. So you screen somebody for pre-employment purposes, and then oftentimes they're never looked at again. And so continuous monitoring is something where if they're out there and they've been arrested a few days ago, you learn about it uh, through continuous monitoring. John, Suzanne and I want to thank you so much for taking time to join us today and for sharing your years of experience and what you've seen over those years. And you've really opened our eyes to a couple of things, both the changes that have happened over the years, the pitfalls and dangers of both doing or not doing background checks. And really, it's amazing the moving targets that you have to work with and how valuable using a professional service like Employment Screening Service is. So if you want to connect with John at Employment Employment Screening Services. His email is John B, as in John Bodette, John B at EmployScreen.com. John B at EmployScreen.com. Once again, thanks so much, John. Sure. It's been my pleasure. We're here to be a resource for you. Visit SalesHiringStraightTalk.com to listen to more episodes in the growing podcast library. Sales Hiring Straight Talk. So your sales hiring interviews rock.